and you're listening to Call Talk for January 23rd, 2013. Today's topic is investments in employee training. Are you getting a big bang for your buck? We'll find out today. If you're listening live, I want to invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. And here's how you can do it. It's easy. Just email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com. Or, if you're listening on the phone or just close to one, call into this number and press the one on your phone and let me know you have a question and I'll get you in. Now, here's the number, 347-857-3117. also want to remind you that the first person to ask us a live question on the phone on the show today will receive a free benchmarking survey from Benchmark Portal, compliments of us typically at $1,500. And also want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at calltalk.tv any time of the day. Just go to our main website and check out the archives. There's a lot of great topics in there. So now I'd like to do uh, introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. As uh, Brian mentioned, today's topic is investments in employee training. Are you getting a big bang for your buck? Now, what we've seen is more and more managers are realizing that training needs to be approached in a very integrated way. For full benefits to be realized, uh, there needs to be a strategy behind the individual components of training. So to talk about this, we brought an an expert on the topic, Susan McDonald-Osborne, Benchmark Portal's Chief Learning Strategist. Susan assists organizations in maximizing the overall productivity of their workforces. With a master's degree in human performance technology and over 20 years of experience, Susan brings best practices from both the government and commercial entities to bear when she's working with call centers. She has a strong background in learning solutions from the traditional classroom experiences to learning programs that combine high-tech and high-touch delivery methods. And as a member of the Benchmark Portal team, Susan conducts assessments of call center learning practices and programs, and that enables her to recommend strategies for ensuring that the investments made in training really do contribute directly to top box performance. So it's my pleasure to welcome Susan McDonald Osborne. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate this opportunity. I want to share a bit about what we've learned as a result of conducting really dozens of training assessments over the past several years. Well, that's Susan, I know you've spent a lot of time conducting these deep dive assessments of call center training programs. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you evaluate the way in which call centers carry out their training? Sure. I appreciate you asking about how I assess the current ways in which call centers equip their employees for success. So typically, we conduct a rapid assessment that's got two primary steps. First, we review call center documentation, such as reports on turnover or copies of training materials, because we want to get a sense of the organization, its business goals, and its pain points. Then we make a two-day visit to the call center and conduct a variety of on-site data collection activities. So when we get to uh, the center, we start each assessment by meeting with executive leadership. We ask them where they see performance gaps, and we get their thoughts on what opportunities there might be for closing those gaps. 
because training is only effective if it helps the call center reach its goals, such as financial targets. We want to know what's important to leadership. And Bruce, it's been my experience that executives know what's not working, but they need some help in developing strategies to address their pain points. Yeah, let me interject here, Susan, just for a second and ask you to explain to our listeners uh, what you mean when you talk about pain points. Uh, can you give us some examples of the kind of things the senior leadership is struggling with these days in, in terms of training? Sure, I'd be happy to, Bruce. So in, in many of the call centers that we visit, operations leadership wants assurance that new hires are ready to resolve customer issues on the first call while providing that positive customer service. When first call resolution numbers aren't where they need to be, leadership usually looks to training for help. And reducing attrition is another area that we uh, see call center leaders um, taking a really close look at and expecting training to play a role in. Leaders expect the training department to deliver well-trained agents that can confidently serve customers. And though we know there are lots of factors that influence attrition, I do find that leadership links effective training to lower attrition rates. And, of course, mm -hmm. for call centers with sales agents, the focus is on meeting or exceeding sales targets. So leadership expects training to turn out agents who can close sales. Boy, that's for sure, and that's becoming more and more important these days. Uh, we see that in, uh, in so many situations. But let me go back for a second to the training assessment process because that's where an awful lot of the good stuff comes out that we can actually work with, uh, with call centers on. What are the other kinds of activities that you undertake when you're on site actually doing one of these discovery processes? Sure, and when we make these on-site visits, Bruce, it's for um, usually two days, so we're very quickly taking in information. And so after getting the big picture by talking with executive leadership, we spend time on the call center floor in side-by-sides, typically with both new agents who recently completed training and with more experienced agents. And what that does is it provides the context for all the other assessment activities uh, that we undertake while on site, and that includes interviews and focus groups. Mm, yeah, you know that I found that that context setting is, is just so important, and you have to go right down to the front line, talk with those people, understand what they're dealing with in terms of their uh, customers, in terms of the uh, desktop apps that they deal with. That, that's really where so much of the uh, the juiciness comes out of these mm -hmm. uh, the, these on sites. But uh, briefly, can, can you tell us about the interviews and the focus groups that you conduct as part of the on-site training program assessments? Sure. Um, we want to get a well-rounded picture of what's going on with the call center in terms of training and on-job performance support. So to do that, I usually start with the call center manager. I speak with the quality assurance manager and the training manager, and in some cases, the director of human resources. And I want to interview them to find out what their daily struggles are and what ideas they have for improving agent performance. And I also conduct focus groups. So typically, I'll meet with small groups of agents who recently completed training, and I ask them about their early experiences on the call center floor and how well training prepared them for the real work environment. Um, I also meet with small groups of supervisors, and that yields a tremendously valuable 
uh, amounts of information and rich information because they're the ones on the front line. They know how well new agents are performing right out of training as well as how more tenured agents are doing. Yeah, well, let me ask you this, Susan. Uh, do you actually hold focus group with the quality assurance monitors? What about those oh, people? Great. Mm -hmm. great question, Bruce. We don't want to leave them out because the answer is absolutely yes. We talk with quality monitors and we review the call evaluation form and any documentation they have about their quality assurance program because we want to understand what behaviors the monitors focus on. And what I found, Bruce, mm -hmm. is that in the highest performing call centers, the training function and the quality function work hand in hand. And that makes perfect sense because if you think about it, the role of training and the role of quality assurance is to ensure that employees perform to the established standards. So they are yeah. um, definitely working in tandem in the most high-performing call centers. Right. Now, I, I've seen that as well. The transmission belt. Where the transmission belts between those two entities work really well and uh, people get along and they understand what each other is responsible for, it really makes a huge difference in terms of uh, ultimate performance of the center as a whole. So I think that's a key point that you just brought out there, Susan. Uh, and, and thanks uh, for, uh, you know, talking about how you collect information during the training assessments. If, if we take a, a big step back, okay, we've uh, talked about how you dig down in your discovery process and uh, come up with all kinds of interesting and exciting things there. But if we take a big step back and uh, sort of take a, a 3,000 foot view, are you seeing some commonalities across call centers that you visited? Um, in other words, do you see trends across the call centers uh, in terms of training uh, and, and the way that they approach these things? Short answer is yes, we do see trends. And even though each call center um, has its unique business or business processes or products or service to offer, we do see commonalities, and I'll just name a couple that I always see. Um, call centers are almost always fast-paced organizations where change is constant and the pressure is often high. And though tight budgets aren't anything new, call center leadership is even more careful now about where they invest, and they're always looking for cost efficiencies. Um, we found that call center leaders want well-trained employees who then turn into good performers but they want practical solutions that can be implemented quickly without breaking the bank. And in my experience, Bruce, um, call center leadership is willing to invest in high-quality training. And by high-quality, I mean training that prepares people to do well on the job as measured by um, indicators such as um, first call resolution or average handle time or QA scores, customer experience measures. But even in tough economic times, leadership will free up money to invest in great training if they can be assured that that investment is going to have a payoff, that it will yield results. And understandably, they're looking for more effective and efficient learning programs to help them get the kind of performance that they're looking for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and you've uh, talked about some of the techniques you use uh, that are there are takeaways for the people who are listening to the show, and that's great uh, in terms of the discovery that you do, et cetera. Uh, when we get to the other side, okay, after the discovery, the understanding, et cetera, then there's the best practices recommendations, right, for the clients uh, that will help them in terms of more effective and efficient learning programs. Uh, can you tell us about some of those best practices that, that you uh, recommend? 
Right, Bruce. So after we do our homework and we're looking at documentation such as, um, you know, QA scores or uh, other KPIs and we are looking at sample training materials, uh, at the end of our assessment is a report and a presentation and um, we then report out what we have found. And one of the strategies that we often recommend is to create performance-based training. And I know that sounds like, you know, learning hmm. vocabulary, so let me kind of explain what I mean. Performance-based training um, can be designed so that it focuses on job tasks, not on topics or knowledge such as policies or product knowledge or how to invest, how to uh, navigate through a call center software application. And those are all important things to learn, don't get me wrong. But it's better to teach policies, products, software navigation in the context of job tasks, or if you think about it, um, a caller interaction. So let me see if I can um, give you an example, Bruce, and I think that will help explain what I mean by performance-based training. So, Please do, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's say your call center takes inbound customer service calls for a medical supplies company. And the customers call that company for lots of different reasons, but the most common reason is to order supplies. So if new hire training for agents were performance-based, which is what I'm suggesting, that new hire training would be focused on taking telephone orders. That would be the way that material is presented and practiced and tested. So we're focusing on job tasks, on performance, not on products and not on the order-taking system. Instead, the training design is focused on the customer interaction. So the idea here, Bruce, is that how a new agent learns mimics as closely as possible the tasks that that new agent is expected to perform once they leave training and they're out on the call center floor. Hmm. Okay. No, that's a, an interesting concept to wrap our minds around. And, and can you tell us what is the advantage that you see of designing training that's focused on job tasks uh, rather than on, you know, knowledge such as policies or products? Sure. Bruce, from my perspective, the advantage of performance-based training, instead of teaching, uh, you know, to a topic, for example, is that from the very start of training, new hires are exposed to what they'll be expected to do on the job in the call center environment, and they'll be expect if they're exposed to the way in which they're expected to do it. So, they learn in the context of a call flow. They practice those call flows multiple times. Uh, they listen to recorded calls. They participate in mock calls. And so when they take their first call, Bruce, there aren't any surprises, or there are few surprises. And we find that agents who are trained in a task-based or performance-based way, when they get out onto the call center floor, they're able to quickly ascertain what callers need, and they know how to assist callers the first time because their training was focused first on job tasks and secondarily on job knowledge. So what I think is the advantage here, that was your question, is task-based training design, um, that approach can reduce job shock and build confidence. And that can lead to job satisfaction and to keeping attrition rates down. So earlier we said that the topic of this talk today is getting a big bang for the buck. Well, if we can create task-based training and reduce job shock and, and uh, turn out confident new agents and keep that attrition down, we're going to have lower recruitment and training costs. So 
Are you beginning to see, Bruce, how well-designed training is can be really worth the investment? No, I, I sure can, and you've really explained that in a very clear and um, you know practical way, Susan. So thanks very much for that. Um, and, and you've talked about designing training that focuses on job tasks. Uh, what other recommendations do you have for creating learning programs uh, that get this big bang for the buck that, that could be a takeaway for our listeners as well? Sure. Well, I mentioned earlier, Bruce, that um, as part of our assessment of a call center's training program, we review existing training materials. So maybe we look at some new hire training. We might look at some seasonal training, update training. Um, and in a really short amount of time, Bruce, we can tell whether there are opportunities for improvement. So I'm going to give you a, uh, an example of the kinds of improvements or what, we, what, what our findings are, and then we'll talk about maybe some ways that they could be improved. So um, first, many of the call centers um, that are struggling to meet their KPIs, we really see that they have weak training programs. And we find that their training is focused on cramming as much information into the heads of these new hires in the shortest amount of time possible. And recall, remember, mm. many of these new hires have never worked in customer service uh, in a call center setting. And so uh, they really are um, uh, overloaded with that cramming. Mm -hmm. And what's worse, Bruce, is a lot of times that cramming of information is done via lecture and with text-heavy PowerPoint slides. And we know that that is a really ineffective way to train adults, but yet we see it all the time. So typically when uh, training programs rely too much on lecture and slides with a bunch of bullet points on them, what we really what really happens is um, the result is cognitive overload and forgetting. Mm. And actually, I'd like to stay on this point for a minute because I think it's so important, and I've seen that it's not understood in so many cases in call centers. Uh, there, there just isn't uh, an appreciation for this concept of cognitive overload and forgetting. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by it uh, for our listeners? Uh, sure. I, probably the best way to do that, Bruce, is to give you an example. So, so let me come up with one here. Um, in many of the training materials that we review, we see that learners are just bombarded with product knowledge. Combined with how to use the call center software, such as a customer information system, but so much less time is spent on practicing the tasks that the agents are expected to perform on their own once they leave training. And there's a large body of research available that tells us that humans, we just can't retain large amounts of information for more than maybe a few days. Yet most call center training programs expect new agents to do just that, to recall what they've learned in new hire training. So think about this, Bruce. Um, if a call center's new hire training program, for example, is three weeks long, most of what the trainer has lectured on during the first week of those three weeks has been forgotten before the new hire has even left the training room. So what that means is that the dollars spent to uh, as an investment in training for that first week, week one of new hire training, it wasn't a good investment because the learners um, are just not able to retain information um, because they're human and also because they've been lectured to instead of having as much practice opportunity as they uh, can have given the amount of time, you know, that's practical for new hire training. 
Right, right. No, this, uh, and that's where the bang for the buck is so important. And coming up with alternatives to that method of information delivery is so important and where the work that you do is so important, I think. So what are the best practices that you recommend that would yield better results than this traditional way of going about things? Sure, and I've already shown my hand a little bit that I'm not a proponent of lecture and PowerPoint slides as the primary uh, way to train adults, and there's a lot of research available that supports that point of view. But So instead, um, we encourage all of our clients to deploy what I'll call learner-centered training, and that means that our learners aren't passively listening to a trainer lecture while they're sitting passively again watching slide after slide. Instead, um, we recommend that learners be actively engaged, and that helps with that comprehension and retention. And the best way to do that, in, in not just my point of view, but in the um, field of learning, is that we want our trainees, our new hires, soon to be agents, we want them practicing the skills they'll be using on the job, not listening to lecture. So the more opportunities they have to role play and participate in mock calls and those kinds of active, engaging instructional um, events, the better. So, And they need mm -hmm. to be given multiple opportunities then to put it all together. If you think about the role of an agent, again, many of these people have never worked in a call center. It's an entry-level job for them. We're asking them to go out on the floor and use a software system follow policy, follow procedure, and have a dialogue with the caller on the other end. And we're asking them to do it all at the same time. Yet in many of our training programs, they're never given the opportunity to put it all together. So what I would recommend is that we give our trainees multiple opportunities to sort of put it all together by having them participate in scenario-based activities that require them to put it all together. So they're using their customer service skills. They're using their system navigation skills. They're adhering to policy. And oh, by the way, there's a quote, live customer on the other end of this practice experience. Mm -hmm. No, that all makes a great, great, great sense. But let me just play devil's advocate for a second uh, for some of the listeners. You know, won't all that practice increase the length of training and therefore the cost of training? Mm. We're talking about bang, <laughs> yeah, bang for good, the buck, bang yeah. for the buck. I know. Bruce, as a devil's advocate, you are in great company because we often hear that sort of objection. And I, I'm not going to uh, minimize that. Um, uh, we do find that when we minimize lecture and we maximize practice activities, so in other words, the trainer is talking less, the learners are doing more, that uh, is likely to increase the duration of training. But I think it's okay because what should happen at the same time is that we're going to decrease time to performance. So the amount of time, for example, that um, new agents who have just left training, if they're in a, um, a uh, training environment, uh, in a nesting environment, the time that they spend in that nesting environment or training environment tends to shrink uh, because they're better prepared. Also, when they get out onto the call center floor on their regular teams, the amount of time it takes them to become proficient should be shorter than if they had been in a uh, 
training program where it wasn't learner-centered and it was a lot of lecture and there wasn't enough opportunity for them to practice and put it all together. Um, our learners are leaving, if they're in this performance-based, sort of learner-centered new hire training, they leave the training room better prepared. They become proficient mm -hmm. agents in a shorter amount of time. And I think what's most important, Bruce, imagine you mm -hmm. as a caller or customer calling into a contact center and getting that new agent. Um, you know, they're on the call with a live customer, and we want, even if it's the agent's first week on the phone, we want that to be a positive experience. So um, what I'm uh, advocating is that it's worth it to invest, even if the training is a bit longer, because when callers interact with those new agents who are trained effectively, I believe that those customers are more likely to have a positive experience than if they were talking to someone who was lectured to for a month. This is extremely well stated, and I think a very, very key point here, and that is that uh, you have to balance that time of training, which may be longer, uh, against time to performance, which is really a, an efficiency metric. And then you added in the time to positive experience for the customer, which is quality. And uh, so putting all that together and sort of balancing it out, uh, and managers who are listening to this call can probably make a very good case for uh, longer training, which includes the kind of content that you've been talking about, um, and, and uh, can test it out. They can test it out and see how it works mm -hmm. and uh, do, it on, do it on a pilot basis. And if it works, it can probably have some pretty high returns for the, co for the company, right? Sure, Bruce. And we could also kind of look at the snowball effect here of when the trainees come out of new hire training better prepared, um, that means less floor walker time is needed, less supervision is needed, less quality monitoring for uh, performance feed, corrective performance feedback. So it can really have a ripple effect in efficiencies, not just for you know trainers or, or agents, but also for uh, folks who support those agents once they're out on the call center floor. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, this makes wonderful sense. I wonder what challenges call centers might face if they were to try to build learner-centered, uh, task-based training programs. Uh, what are the barriers to making these changes that you've encountered with clients? Hmm. Uh, what an important question that is, Bruce. Well, not all call centers will be able to develop more effective and efficient training with the current resources they have. Um, if you look at high-quality training programs, um, almost exclusively they're developed by experts in the field of learning. These experts are known as Instructional System Designers, or ISDs. And while large corporations, large call centers, probably have ISDs on their staff, we know that smaller call centers typically staff their training departments by uh, drawing from the call center floor. So for any call center, whether they're large or small or established or a startup, we still recommend collaborating with a skilled instructional systems designer, ISD, who can work with that internal staff to design training that will help get those business results that you're looking for. Um, ISDs are trained not in things like, you know, how do we make the training fun and interesting and engaging. Good ISDs are working with senior leadership to make sure that training outputs employees that help get business results. 
Bruce might have just fallen off, but uh, so I can jump in here while he tries to call back. Maybe we could uh, take one or two more main topics and, and really focus on those for maybe the next five or so minutes, as I have a couple questions we can get to as well. Okay. I appreciate the time check, Brian. Thank you. What we're talking about today is, okay, Susan, you've recommended some best practices, and if call centers adopt those best practices, are they going to get that return on investment? So what I can tell you, uh, Brian, is that new agents will be better prepared to handle calls if they've experienced um, task-based training where they've got lots of opportunities, frequent opportunities to practice in a realistic way. But it's important to talk about how to help employees learn, but I think the ultimate question is, what can we do to help employees perform on the call center floor? Training is about performance. It's not about uh, quizzes and lectures and slides. It's about performance. So here's what I see. I see that most call centers are doing a good job coaching to performance. They've got a quality assurance program, some of which are best-in-class, rigorous quality assurance program. And those great programs provide uh, agents with feedback, corrective feedback, and praise on a regular basis. And in most call centers, supervisors are doing a good job. They're skilled at motivating employees so that their teams will do their very best. But one of the things that I'd like to mention is that more and more call centers are using technology to help learners find information at the time of need. And it makes sense. We said earlier that humans quickly forget what they learn. So once they get out on the call center floor, what can we do to help them succeed at the time of need? So mm-hmm. what I'm yeah. talking about here, Brian, is performance support systems, and that may be something that's new to our listeners. So um, let me kind of fill you in here a little bit. Um, a lot of call centers are relying on performance support systems to promote kind of continuous learning. We know that we can't train every agent for every situation that they're going to encounter, and even if we did, they need to uh, keep pace with changes in policy and procedure and even in the customer information system. So how do we promote continuous learning um, that supports agents while they're servicing calls? Um, Mm -hmm. And what we can do is use this technology, performance support system, and what that is is it's – an application that's available to agents on the call center floor to help them quickly find what they need in order to resolve a caller's issue. And uh, they can do it accurately and in a timely manner um, using this performance support system. So I'm going to give you an example of how an agent might use a performance support system. Do we have time for that? Yep, uh, this is Bruce. I'm back, and uh, I think we do have a little bit of time for that, so please do tell us. Okay. I'd love to kind of share with you, um, you know, what this really looks like having a performance support system. So let's say that an agent gets a call in which the customer wants to return a product that's no longer being sold. So the new agent's never done a return before and doesn't remember all the steps in the return procedure because humans forget, or maybe because he rarely does return. So even though he learned how to do that procedure a few weeks ago in training, he's shaky on on what to do. So here is where a performance support system would provide this new agent with each relevant step in the return procedure 
at the very same time he's actually performing the procedure in the company's application. So I'm learning and doing, learning and doing. There's really a line, a blurring almost between learning and performance. So what's good about this is that um, the agent doesn't have to put the caller on hold and go into a knowledge repository uh, and search for information on the procedure or put the caller on hold and go find a floor walker who can help. Instead, the agent has um, the ability to follow that step-by-step -step instructions while they are servicing the call, and hopefully without putting the caller on hold or for not putting the caller on hold for very long. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, that's, that's uh, great information and uh, very good illustration as well. And uh, I think what we'll do now is to go to the first question that Brian has for us. Uh, Brian? Yeah, you bet. And, uh, Bruce, I think you should agree that we need to get Susan back on the show as there's a lot of information <laughs> here. We just uh, wish we had more time. Uh, but I do want to get to some of the listeners' uh, questions as they've been uh, emailing me. And this one comes from Jennifer. And she's asking, Susan, as you know, call centers often experience change at breakneck speed. So how do call center leaders balance the need to provide continuous training to agents with your suggestion to develop high-quality performance-based training? Mm, Jennifer, first, Jennifer, thanks for the question. Well, uh, again, I think it goes back to this performance-based training. And the benefit is that when you train on exactly what agents have to do on the job, you're focusing on need-to-know content. So time isn't wasted on developing and deploying nice-to-know content. And it does take time to create really effective training that equips agents to do well on the floor. But training developers... ISDs can use some rapid development kinds of processes and tools. So uh, there's a lot available in that rapid development area. Um, okay, so if time is a big constraint, you could create a well-written job aid, and that really minimizes or even could eliminate the need for classroom time. So a job aid, for example, could even be distributed in a row meeting along with speaking points for a supervisor. So I think there's a lot of creative approaches like this task-based job aid that can be developed a lot more quickly than a training class. You're not pulling people off the phone to walk to the training program, to come back to the training program, to go, you know, get a drink of water on the way. So you're, you're get, keeping people off the phone for a shorter amount of time. Um, let's see, another approach, Jennifer, you could have like a quick self-study where agents are on the floor, uh, maybe at the beginning of their shift, they're given instructions to go into a knowledge base, to view a document, uh, to learn the procedure or a new policy or a change, and then answer a few targeted questions to ensure their understanding, and then those questions could be scored by a supervisor and that supervisor could give feedback to the team. So those are just a couple of examples of how a, a savvy instructional systems designer um, might produce this ongoing learning experience while working within those time constraints that are so often present in call centers. I hope that answered your question, Jen, or at least gave you a couple of, of new ideas. Yeah, I think you did a good job approaching that question. And, and let me just throw out, because it sounds like you just mentioned a little bit into this next question from Ken, and we don't have to repeat it, but you might just add something. Uh, Ken asked that you mentioned that often the most effective training programs are typically designed and developed by instructional systems designers, uh, but many call centers don't have instructional systems designers on their staff. 
So what options are available for these call centers? Well, uh, Brian, in the spirit of full disclosure, I have to tell you that I started my career as an instructional systems designer. <laughs> there may be just a tad of bias there, but uh, let's get back to Ken here. So, um, Ken, the first thing I, I might suggest um, if you don't have ISDs on your staff is um, that you could look for commercially available off-the-shelf training programs. So those commercially available training programs uh, can be very effective, very well-designed, well-written, instructionally sound, um, and not nearly as expensive as developing the content from scratch on your own. So um, one example might be there are off-the-shelf training programs. Some of them are online. Some of them are classroom. Uh, and one might be on quality insurance. So you could purchase an off-the-shelf, very well-done quality assurance training program, but it's sort of generic. So then what you could do is blend or add to that some custom content that's specific to your call center, your uh, unique QA processes, your uh, QA criteria, your scorecard, and that sort of thing. So instead of building a custom training program from scratch, which in my opinion um, could be done best by an ISD, you could save money, save calendar time, and still get a good product by combining an off-the-shelf training program with a custom piece. So that, that still doesn't tell us, well, where, how are we going to get that custom piece developed if we don't have ISDs? I, I still think there's lots of opportunity here. So. If you needed, let's say, 80% of your solution, you could purchase off the shelf, and 20% of it is custom to your organization. So what you could do is engage a contractor who is an expert in the field of instructional systems design. And in the U.S., there are lots of ISDs uh, who work as independent contractors. So they could come in, work with your internal training departments with subject matter experts, and design just those custom pieces so that they are of high quality, which I would say means that they're performance-based and learner-focused and only need to know content is taught, and they are engaging and, and um, a good experience to participate in. Um, ISD, call, excuse me, call centers that don't have ISDs, you really can get access to the instructional design skills you need for a short amount of time, perhaps without incurring the cost of bringing an ISD on as a full-time employee. So my recommendation is uh, consider um, taking advantage of this uh, profession called instructional systems design. Um, you can engage people to come in for short periods of time, maybe to design a program for you, and then develop it in-house with the resources that you have. Okay. Well, Susan, thanks, uh, thanks and to our for listeners, Okay, very good. No, and uh, thank you for the questions, and thank you to all of our listeners. And in particular, thank you very much, uh, Susan McDonald Osborne. What a great session we've had today. Uh, it's really been a window-opening <clears throat> session and hopefully a mind-opener uh, for many of our listeners in terms of rethinking their approach to learning and training and performance support, which I think is a great way of rethinking uh, the whole training thing, that we're really supporting the performance of our people. So thank you really very, very much for all of those insights that you uh, you gave to us today. And at this point, I'd like to turn things over to Brian to, to wrap things up.
Well, I want to thank once again Susan McDonald Osborne and Bruce Belfiore for some very insightful discussion today on the show. Uh, we could easily fill an hour and a half if we had the time. But I do want to uh, remind you that we have another show coming up not too far down the road. Join us February 13th, 2013, when we will talk about scheduling philosophies and motivational practices for call centers. Ah, interesting topic that will be. And of course, don't forget to sign up for a free Reality Check Benchmark Report. Or if you're hearing this and you have uh, just another week to do that, become a part of our Top 100 Contest. You can do that at BenchmarkPortal.com. So from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day. Have a good one, folks.